Although we are early into the earning reporting season for year-end 2022, we're seeing some interesting trends. While quarter four had many challenges, one of the most common themes in the earning reports was in regards to macroeconomic headwinds. Overall, there's been a feeling of doom, but those thoughts no longer seem indicative of the current situation. On today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy, we'll dive into the state of affairs present today. Welcome back, everybody, to the MedTech Experts and uh, earning your MBA here with a number of experts in the field. Uh, this is your host, semi-regular host, Scott Alexander, uh, as we were joking about. Um, joined, as always, with the wonderful Barbara Strain, Ted Newell, and Skender Darty. So um, we were just talking right before we pressed record about the state of affairs in our industry. And we had some interesting things that came out with earnings reports and really wanted to hone in on that as the starting point of, um, of the discussion. So with no further ado, we'll just jump in. Skinder, do you want to maybe bring the listeners up to speed on what we were talking about before we started recording? Yeah, I mean, we're still early into earnings season um, for Q2, uh, sorry, Q4 reporting. Um, at the time of this recording, we're recording this in early to mid-February. So the Q4 reports haven't fully come out yet, but some of the early ones to come out. The the interesting news, and, and just taking it as an aggregation, um, is the fact that coming in the last 60 to 90 days, probably since October-ish, uh, maybe even a little bit earlier, there's been so much prognostication about the challenges within the med tech industry, right? And it's uh, macroeconomic headwind seems to be like the favorite term, not only used in our industry, but across all industries, right? It's just the thing. And it's, it was interesting to see some of the major companies with their earnings reports come out. And, and I used this phrase before, but under the ideology of we were all believing that there was going to be doom and gloom potentially on the horizon for 2023. And what I'm seeing in aggregate from the companies, and I, I want to hear what everybody else has to say about this, but is that it's still gloomy, but it may not be as doomy um, from what we thought it was. And it's, <laughs> it's still going to be a, a challenging start to 2023, but what there was potential talk about catalyst, uh, cataclysm, um, that may not happen. And there's adaptation happening. There are other things that are going on and people are just starting to adapt and figure it out. But, you know, just like for Stryker, um, you know, they're still projecting seven to 9% sales growth in 2023. And in 2022, as a whole, you know, they still had 9% sales growth. Um, so there is still opportunity to be had. And I can tell you unequivocally in speaking with some of our enterprise customers um, and, and prospects just recently, everybody had a pinch on budgets and spending and expenses. And that's still the case. However, I can tell you right now what I've been hearing from some people is the expectation that that might start to be loosened up within the next, not the immediate future, but within the next four to six to eight weeks, there may be some objective where it's getting into Q2, turning into that Q2 cycle. Maybe we didn't have to hoard cash so as badly as we thought we had to. Maybe there's an opportunity to go out there and do some things. So I don't know, have you guys been hearing similar or different? 
it's just what I read. You know, if, if you, um, and I think, I think you have to separate part of the healthcare marketplace, the part that we're talking about, which is med tech. Um, and within med tech, you have the hospital systems, right? Which are our biggest, typically our biggest customers. And then you also have, and you have some other markets where uh, individual practices work like ophthalmology and they make a lot of their own decisions or ambulatory surgical care centers that are independent of hospital systems. But even all that I think has to be taken a little bit separately than the main economy, than the macroeconomic headwinds. Because even if the economy decides to do reasonably well, the um, hospital systems still have the pressures they're on. However, from what I've seen, the pressures seem to be getting relieved a little bit in that they're like um, uh, the uh, traveling nurse costs are going down on average um, month over month. So hospitals are seeing some relief in their budgets that way. It's still difficult. A lot of them have lost money, but they have seen uh, some relief. So that's good news. Um, so I, I think, I think you have to sort of separate out these things when you look at them, not get influenced too much by the main economy and think about primarily the hospital med tech or the individual uh, markets like plastic surgery, um, ophthalmology, whatever. I think you also have to think about have, um, provider institutions, whether it's small, large, whatever, have they moved some business out of their hospital that may be more inexpensive or doing more telehealth or other things that they can now focus more on when we do have patients that come to the hospital, we can more effectively treat them and enter into maybe more contracts or uh, better products or updated products that work along with their workplace shortages and other things. So there's a lot of dynamics going on that can affect any of this. Uh, and the only caution I give with this article is it's five of some of the largest med tech companies. And so they know not only how to spin the message, but they also have a lot of other uh, entities behind the scenes that can kind of balance out some of this. So for our usual audience, I guess I'd say it's still a little, um, little conservative, I think. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that, I've, that catches my attention is always the fact that the trends that hit healthcare are always longer term trends. Like you have a little bit of up and down, um, but but the things that really impact businesses are take years, if not decades to come into fruition. And I think about like, for example, I think about um, uh, vendor credentialing, right? And sort of access. So we see it today as like, I can't get access to the ORs, that sort of thing. That stuff started happening back in 2012. Right. And and so one of the things that I think we got to be mindful of is a shift of care. And Barbara, this is something you just you literally just mentioned. And I think that that's one of the big things that's going on inside um, the health system. And one of the things to strikers benefit is I believe that they've done a pretty good job of moving into the ASC market and, and other areas outside of the traditional big houses. And I think where people can run the risk of, of getting themselves in trouble 
is if they haven't started to think about where cases are getting done and how they're getting done, they're going to continue to beat their head against the wall. And that surgical procedure volume, if you're in playing in that space, at St. Somewhere, big house, you know, a thousand bed hospital is going to go down. And so if that's the limit and the extent of your world, it's going to look like a really bad place to be. But if you're more nimble and you're able to say, all right, well, let me figure out where the volume is going and let me kind of chase it. Um, then I think the market is good, if not even better um, than, than what we've been seeing and certainly what we were predicting to see for 2023. A question I would have for some of you is how much of this is like split the good news, the, the companies that are, that are benefiting lately, that are showing good fourth quarter earnings, how much of that came from uh, disposables uh, versus CapEx, Cap? capital equipment purchases. And it seems like a lot of that could be uh, a lot of the elective procedures still catching up on that to some degree. And because of that, you get, if you're going to get a hip implant, you got to buy a hip implant, right? Um, but it doesn't mean you need to buy another video tower and all that equipment. So I just wonder, is there a difference in this good news between uh, disposables or implants and, and things like that versus capital equipment? I think it really varies if you read one of the five companies is uh, major capital equipment. However, during COVID, they switched some of their manufacturing to like COVID tests and things like that. So you take that off the table, as they said, from that company, then it's our um is capital money going to be a better investment? than the operational costs. And it depends on the organizations and how they've diversified their funding and that sort of thing. So capital equipment is always a tough place because you do a sale, but you're not going to do a sale to the same place for how many years, you know, that sort of thing. So it most of it is in um, disposables. And you would think that, right? You would think that disposables would tick up before capital did because, you know, assuming, again, you're selling to a large hospital system, uh, you're you're competing against another MRI machine or maybe sell MRI machines, but like you're competing against MRIs, you're competing against building another tower in a growing part of town or things like that. So uh, hospital tower, not lab tower um, or imaging tower. So capital dollars coming from the provider side are usually really hard to get a hold of. Um, but you can see procedure volumes swing really quickly, uh, which I think skinders your point is like, Hey, it looks like procedure volumes are still robust, if not growing at a faster rate, which Ted maybe ties back to your point about things that have been pushed out are maybe now catching up. It's we're kind of far, we're kind of far into reality, you know, into life to still be bringing those things in. But um, maybe there's some volume there. Maybe it's just the aging of people, right? And whatever the case might be. Well, I mean, I think there's two dimensions to it, right? We can look at it at the at the micro factors. I'm going to put my economist hat on for a second. We can look at the micro factors related just to our industry, and there's obviously some clear challenges as related to staffing, supply chain, etc., which were very disruptive and are still disruptive, right? We are not out of the supply chain issues that were prevalent through 2022 that still exists and is is prevalent 
prevalent um, and prevalent across the across the industry. And the staffing challenges still exist. I think there's some adaptation. But I think part of the other factor of this was, and let's be honest here, all these big companies are also big investment houses, right? They aren't just manufacturers. They aren't just sales companies. They take that income and they invest it. And that accounts for a big part of their earnings. And so I think what happens when you look at these dynamics is from a macro perspective, the whole world was like, hey, interest rates are going up. They, clearly, anybody looking at their 401k uh, 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 summaries and and, and 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 information from from performance data is not looking good. Your statements are horrible. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective, I think there was just a general halt in the industry. Not to mention the fact that the hospital sector has outright said, you know, they're operating at a minus one point seven percent margin over the course of twenty twenty two, right? And not that their margins were robust. By any means, but if you go from plus 2.3 to minus 1.7 on significant billions of dollars, those are all challenges that are there. What and that's why I said before, you know, it's still gloomy, it's just not as doomy um, from the perspective of I think there are things that are finally starting to open uh and starting to look. And one of the things that I can tell you unequivocally, and we speak to a wide bastion of, of company sizes, SMB, enterprise, startup, et cetera. The, and we've talked about this before, hospitals are starting, and, and Barbara, you know this better than anybody, I'm getting the sense that hospitals are really starting to ramp up their new product reviews and their contract reviews and their contract cycles because what I'm hearing from comp companies now is, I'm getting more calls and particularly from the smaller companies, I'm getting more calls about bids and contract opportunities than I've ever had before. And it's because everybody's just like, everything is open. We're not just going to give Medtronic the business anymore. We're not just going to give it to Stryker. Everything is on the table, which is creating an incredible landscape for all these organizations. You know, amidst chaos, there's great opportunity. Well, there's always the, the discussion, uh, you know, way before the last few years of are we really getting value for what we're currently doing and so diversifying your supplier base is a big tactic because you're trying to make sure you're not going to wind up in the situation you were the last three years mm -hmm. uh, there's still a lot of churn every single day with these product disruptions, whether it's recalls or uh, discontinued products, things like that. So the companies are tightening up as well by the diversification of their products may not be as, have a breadth as they were. But there, I've seen two course corrections in 2022. In the first part mm -hmm. of 2022, uh, providers were really evaluating where are we kind of, you know, bleeding money? Where do we have to do some things? So to Chad's point with, you know, uh, travelers and those sorts of things, uh, there was some uh, discontinuation, but then how did you keep people? Because the gloom and doom on the provider side has been, and still today, uh, how many layoffs are happening? And they're very careful to qualify that and say, not direct patient care mm -hmm. layoffs are happening. 
So they're trying to keep that nurse and other clinician techs and things pool. So you don't have to bring in and you've got monies to pay them, whether it's bonuses or whatever, because of some of the stressors and dissatisfaction. So you have a lot of that going on. The second thing I've seen is in the first quarter of this calendar year, which is usually like the third quarter of most fiscal years for organizations is they want to get through to June 30th still looking good. So they're making another round of layoffs and adjustments, but they are looking at more value and how can I get in a supply or a service I've not used before, a company I've used before, thinking out of the box, Let's bring in folks that might be able to bring a couple million dollars in value or more value across the continuum or whatever, so we can continue this. So by the time we start fiscal year 24, which is July for most people, sometimes it's September, October, but um, so they start off on a good foot. I, I yeah, think go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say one thing I would, uh, when it comes to monitoring these types of situations, you know, we picked up that article and, and that started this whole discussion, which was on mass medical. So I would encourage listeners to subscribe to some of these newsletters um, like mass medical, or if you're trying to target health systems that you should be working with either that and, or through your GPO, you should be working with. But for example, uh, Becker health, the regular hospital review daily newsletter, is is really great and in just a few seconds you can skim it and like if you're at um, on the february 7th uh, issue of it it has um eight health systems with strong finances bingo mm -hmm. you can there you have it eight health systems that are probably a little less nervous about making capital purchases than most of the others and then also uh, another hint at one of those which would be northwell in, in new york and turnover rate, nurse turnover rate is half the national average. Well, if there's half the if theirs is half the national average, they are probably stronger off financially than many of these other hospitals. So you, there's a lot of little hints in there that you can pick up if you read these things um, that could influence um, your business. And it's and it's good benchmarks, right? Just you know, we all operate a little bit on an island. You know, and yes, is it easy if you're sitting there as a startup to relate yourself to J&J? &J? Not necessarily. Um, and J&J &J can push markets that, that you can't. But at the same token, knowing that things are opening up, those are the, the key benchmarks that you, and information you can take away from that. Yeah. Scott, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It, it's, it's okay. I'm used to it. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to make two points. Number one, you dropped the word bastion in the middle of a, a statement and no one else responded to that or reacted to that. I more power to I, to the SAT word right there. That was impressive. I mean, I know you're in you're you're from you know the south. So I mean, I, I will provide you a pronunciation key if you. you'd like that and and make sure it's spelled out clearly. I think it's actually pronounced bastion. So there's like a word in there somewhere. Bastion. So um, sorry, mom and dad, but um, I was going to bring up another group of organizations we should look at if we're if we're trying to track uh, profitability and where the industry is going. So Tenant reported um, their earnings recently for Q4, 
And um, short version is uh, Q4 beat earnings, beat, beat earnings expectations fairly handily. They did a great job on that and um, are expecting to be a little bit under what the analysts were projecting for um, Q1, but by like, in the grand scheme of things, a fairly small percentage. Um, so, I mean, I think everybody's forecasting things to be good. Community health systems would be the other one to look at. They haven't reported yet um, as of the time of this recording. But HCA also. HCA also. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that um, show the financial health of your customers and your competitors. So uh, I think the point is definitely make sure you're looking at the data to to affect your own forecasting and strategy. And, and yeah, maybe it's gloomy, but not doomy kind of thing. Well, you kind of have to look at, though, how they really calculated some of those. Mm -hmm. So some of them actually closed hospitals. Mm -hmm. So how does that sort of figure in? So another thing to Ted's point, if you're reading those trades on a regular basis, you're also seeing the closings in some of those systems. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole bigger picture and you're not seeing some of the denominators and other things that go into the books. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's a little difficult to really read all of the tea leaves or as someone said, the coffee grounds uh, today to me for something else. So. Um, I always have, I'm more cautious when it comes to some of this and just taking things for granted. Yeah. So what do you do? You're the CEO of a med tech company trying to figure out what to do and how to, how to read the coffee grounds. What pivots or shifts do you make with the data that we've been talking about? I think it probably depends on what kind of products you have. So if you have uh, primarily um, disposables or um, implants, whatever it might be, um, you know, just make sure I, I would not probably cut back and and um, interfere with my marketing and sales program at all. I wouldn't disinvest in that. If anything, I'd invest more to make sure I'm taking advantage of the, the higher number of elective procedures that are going on. If you're a mix of capital and um, reusable, then you just have to be careful, I think, about what what that balances in terms of sales and what that means. And if you're all CapEx, I think you have to be very careful. Now, if you're CapEx in like plastic or plastic surgery ophthalmology, you might be doing great uh, mm -hmm. because they've had great years. But um, if you're selling directly to a practice, but if you're on the hospital side, it could be different. That That's my first reaction. I don't know what you guys think. I'd look at flexibility. Like I think about on the commercial side, I would look for how do you how do you figure this out? Because again, this is unexpected data, right? And um, in my opinion, you've you've got to take it. Like I like to see positive data. I'm also a fairly skeptical guy, and so I'd say, all right, well, what can I do to minimize the down downside, but be ready for moving if I get a great opportunity. And I think, you know, scalable solutions in that capacity, I would not be going out and hiring whole bunches of people, right, full FTEs and uh, that sort of thing. But I'd be thinking about, okay, how do I make sure that if those opportunities come in, I can be ready to pull the trigger or do something to make sure that 
where we can take advantage of the opportunity when it comes. Well, you know, with that, Scott, I think it's about scalable uh, addition, right? Mm -hmm. Scalable expansion. And the one thing that I've been noticing, and it's not just a med tech industry thing, but I've been noticing pretty rampantly is the, the theory of outsourcing. Mm. I think outsourcing right now is happening at a greater rate because of everything that the two of you just talked about, right? You can't back off of investments. When things are scary, you almost have to double down on your investment and invest your way out of it. Uh, and you have to increase your sales and marketing budgets. And the one thing that I've seen, especially when you're hearing about all these layoffs, et cetera, is that companies are saying, okay, we might need to skim part of our, our standard operating uh, expense budget, but there is no reason why we can't still outsource those responsibilities, those roles, because we need to do them. And right now, one of the things that I have seen is so many companies starting to engage with various outsourced companies and talking to them about, can you help me here? Can you help me do this? And it's just about general bandwidth. And again, we're seeing it from the largest companies to the smallest companies. But I think if you're going to be intelligent, you have to be strategic about your dollars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's hard right now in scary times to add a lot of W-2 pay, uh, employees to your payroll because that's a fixed cost that's hard to take off. But adding outsourced consultings and specialized groups gives you that flexibility to still get expertise in a way at a very good investment rate. Mm -hmm. True. And, and you can get... You can get talent that you can't hire for a W-2 position or full-time position for fractions. Like, again, just to kind of build up on what you're talking about, uh, I think everybody knows I talk to a lot of people just understanding what's going on in the market uh, every week. And um, it's been really interesting because there's a number of super talented people out there that have consultancies and either very specific areas of focus or like broad general knowledge around the industry that are available, you know, for, for snippets. And so, you know, you bring somebody in, you understand, Hey, like Barbara, let's just toot your horn for a second here. Like you have a, a unique understanding around the value analysis process and how it goes and that sort of thing. And you're, you're probably not looking for a full-time position, but you can be brought in for an individual project. If I'm running a med tech company and I'm selling an IDNs or trying to figure out how I win some business because um, J and J or Medtronic have, have left a door open for some reason. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really attractive thing to do. You bring in, bring in for a month, you get what you need, and then you go back to sipping pina coladas by the pool, and they can, you know, can go back to running their business. So, well, I think in boom times, it's easy to think about adding employees. Mm -hmm. I think in in challenging times is when you really have to think about. I have to add people who know what they're doing and can get me to do it faster mm -hmm. and be really wise about that. And that's why yeah. adding somebody like a barber on an outsource basis is tremendous. Yeah. One, one way you could look at it is if you're on the uh, disposable side and you're thinking, wow, things have really picked up. I'm, we're doing better. And you're a small to medium sized company. And um, okay. You know that the procedures is up and that's why you're doing better. I wouldn't take it for granted. You know, other people would like to have that business too. And that sort of goes back to saying, let's, what would our competitors be thinking? And what are we going to do to protect the business that we have? 
And if not, you know, make sure we can continue to grow it. And that goes to what we were just, you guys were just talking about, which is look at your value analysis packages. You know, are, are they really up to date? Uh, do they really have the best evidence in them? Do they need to be like, um, uh, restated to the hospital committees, to the various uh, value analysis committees. You you just need to make sure, and to your GPOs, make sure people know why you're valuable. You know, one of the things, sorry, Barbara, just jumped in, um, but, I, sorry, I'll, I'll, here, I'll ask my question. Does the fact that hospitals are, that some hospitals are operating in a negative operating margin open up a door for someone who can come in and prove, hey, I can drive you $2 million in savings in a way that would move a health system away from a bundle with J&J or whatever the case might be. Is that an opportunity for a smaller company? Yes, it's always an opportunity. Uh, if given the right circumstances and what's going on, it's always an opportunity. The, the one thing that I see... Um, MedTech struggling with is pricing right now because there's the inflation pressures on them as well as the inflation pressures on the providers. So we were talking about where are all those dollars and what are they really? So I do worry that some of the um, great margins mm -hmm. people are reporting on the MedTech side might be because they raised prices and things. I just don't know enough. However, people are struggling with pricing. That's a very delicate balance. And something that seems to be simple, but they want to, you know, it's it's the old thing of I spent, you know, three years developing this product and it's really going to make a difference. So I'm going to uh you know, put this price tag on it because I need to recoup some costs and that sort of thing. But it's still a disposable and I'm going to bring it in and use 500 of these a day. It, it all adds up. So even though it's not high dollar items, sometimes those disposables and, you know, commodity type item, it's that pricing now that's a little off. We're getting close to uh, to the end of time, not the end of times, right? Yeah. So I think oh my God! Gonna write a will. I like oh, things. Oh, it's about So, but we're getting close to the end of this time together. Um, I guess why don't we? What what kind of parting thoughts do we have? We've covered a lot of ground. Talked about how great, uh, unexpectedly well, certain med tech companies are doing, as well as some information on the provider side in terms of publicly disclosed data, right? Maybe this is gloomy and not doomy. Um, and so be flexible in uh, being ready to, to grab the opportunity. But what, uh, what, what parting thoughts do we have for the audience? Maybe Barbara, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to pick up on a TED theme. So if I steal your thunder for your last couple of things is we say this almost every podcast, but know the potential customer, know where they are, know some details about them, know their pair mix, all those sorts of things, what the market can bear there, all those sorts of things. That doesn't go away. 
So don't get overconfident that you're going to swagger in and I'm going to get all this business, but please do your homework. Ted, what do you think? Um, I, I think it goes back to what we talked about a little bit before, just know what kind of company you are and where you fit in the current economy, you know, from CapEx, to, from pure capital equipment to pure um, disposables, implants, whatever it might be. And then I, I would say another thing to consider and would be, you know, it's early in the year. Um, is this a time, like, look at the 80-20 rule with your sales team or whatever, and if you have 10 or 20% that really aren't contributing, um, uh, maybe take take some action on that and either get rid of them and um, bring in some people that might add more to the um, results of your company. I would, I, I think that's something that's worth considering. Um, then the, I had another thought that sort of just ran right out of my mind when I was thinking of um, <laughs> replacing some employees. I'll, I'll circle back and I'll throw that in at the last second here if I have to. Cool. <clears throat> Skander. Yeah, I think it's it's just the winds of change can change very quickly. Um, and you have to be adaptable and you have to be prepared for all types of scenarios. So whether it goes hand in hand with what Ted just said, cut some of that fat now so you have greater effectivity when times do get better and you can be more adaptable. The fat weighs you down. Um, so find a way to make sure that you can captivate. And when that wind does change, you're ready to go. Uh, you know, these reports are telling us things may not be as bad as we thought. Are you going to be able to be in a position to take advantage of it? I And I just remembered what I was going to think about before I let you wrap, make the final comment, Scott, and that is your contracts and, um, you know, your work with GPOs and, and um, IDNs, whatever it might be, you know, just make sure you're really on top of that. And if you were to disinvest in, in some unproductive people in the company, maybe you invest in somebody that really keeps an eye on that business. Um Make sure you're in touch with those people, and you because they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on too. I don't know what popped in my head or why it popped into my head, but Ted, when you said let some people go, I thought a pound of fat takes up more space than a pound of muscle, and <laughs> right. So if you think about it, the people that are getting the job done, you don't need as many of them to be, you know, at the, at the same size. So um, yeah, I I think we've covered a lot of great ground here. I mean, the the reality is. Right, the the world is uh, a little sunnier than what we thought it was going to be. I, I think we should be watching, uh, continuing to watch what kind of data is out there, making moves either to, you know, trim some fat, to invest in some areas where we see growth. But I, I guess my my final thought or my parting thought is, um, ultimately, it's the outcomes are a result of the actions that you make day in and day out. And, you know, I don't think that the things that you do today are necessarily that different than what you do uh, two years ago or two years from now. You're, you got to look at the market. You got to know who you're selling to. You got to understand where the opportunities are. And then you got to execute. And if you stop doing any of one of those things, then you're going to fail. If you're not and you're nimble and you're looking at what's going on, you can make adjustments and, and pivot as need be. So um, I guess final thought for everyone. Uh, Thanks for attending or listening in. Hopefully this helped you drive forward towards your MBA. Go out there, 
uh, do some great things and we'll meet you back here for the next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Go birds. Oh, God. <laughs> the trends that impact medtech businesses are longer term and healthcare can be a slow moving machine. Adaptation is leading opportunities in sales growth. And there is opportunity to be had if you're properly positioned. Hospital systems have been pressured, but relief in the form of reduced staffing costs, catching up on delayed procedures, and the shift in patient care is providing new options. To find the sales, chase where the patients are now and realize that your prior assumptions may no longer be valid. Thank you for joining us this week, and we look forward to having you on future episodes of the MedTech Business Academy.